My name is Henry Falcone from Flame of Fire Kingdom Awakening Message. It is a blessing to be with you again for our second day of this week of our new broadcast series, The Arising of Joel's Army. It's such a blessing to be with you. And as normal, I'm going to make sure that we are on Facebook so that I can read your comments. So if you're watching this for the first time, please sign in. Let us know where you're from. That would be a great blessing to let us know and uh, what state or country you're from. And yep, there I am. Praise God. Perfect. Okay, so I should be able to see your um, your chats. Amen. But it's a real blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, praise the Lord. Please sign in. And I'm looking forward to what the Lord has uh, with us this morning. Praise God. Oops, I'm going to fix that just a tad. There we go. Okay. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you today. You're an awesome God. We love you and we so appreciate you. We thank you for this time to be with you together with the saints that are hungering and thirsty for you. Lord, we just appreciate you. We love you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for all that you are. Have your way with us today, Lord. We welcome you. We hear the knock at the door. Our heart, we say, come in, Jesus. Come and sup with us this morning. Sup with us, Lord. We feed you our worship, our love, our adoration. You are worthy of all praise, all glory, and honor. And I thank you that you come and you feed us, Lord, with your presence, your manifested presence, with your person. You feed us with the secrets and the mysteries of your kingdom. So, Lord, we come with an expectant heart to meet with you today, to see you, hear you know you lord as i've always prayed lord as i was taught lord i see you but i want to see you better i hear you but we want to hear you better we know you but we want to hear you know you better so open up our ears to hear like we've never heard before our eyes to see like we've never seen before and our hearts to understand like we've never understood your secrets and the mysteries of your kingdom and of your majesty and of your person. We shall love you, Lord. We adore you. We praise you this morning, Lord. There's nobody like you. Thank you, Lord. Yes. That you do. Thank you, Lord. There's no one like you. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one, no one, no one like you, Lord. No. We worship you, Adonai. We praise you. We bless you. We give you glory, God. There's no one like you, Lord. We praise you today. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you are the great I am. So, Lord, we praise you, we bless you, we thank you. And we come before you, Lord, expecting you, Lord. We thank you for that today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Now, to God be all the glory. Amen. I just got back from a, um, a dentist appointment. So, I got I'm a little bit late, a couple minutes late, and I didn't set up my microphone, but could, can everybody hear me okay? I'm just using the computer microphone. 
I can set up the other microphone if you can't hear me. So just kind of give me a thumbs up and let me know you can hear me all right. Amen. Good morning. Joy, God bless you. Donna, God bless you. Can everybody hear me okay? Or do I need to put the mic in? Oh, good. Okay, so I don't need to do it today. So that's good. So I'll do it tomorrow. Hallelujah. Uh, this morning. Good morning, Donetta. God bless you. Um, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10, verses 10 through 13 says, My beloved spoke to me. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the turtle, the time of the, uh, the time of the singing of the birds has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our, our land. The fig tree pour, puts forth her green figs and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Arise, my fair one. and uh, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. I think it's really interesting that, good morning, Link, God bless you. Um, thank you, Lord. Um, that the, the newest um, video that we put out is called Arise and Shine, and it's that very cry. And the Lord appeals to us to rise up. And Donna sings really prophetically a powerful releasing from the Lord about the calling to come up. And that, that's going to be the second video for uh, the second music video for our divine convergence. Oftentimes, God gives us these music, uh, these these new songs to prepare us for the convergences and to prepare us for life and to prepare us you know, for them. And uh, there's two new ones. Um, if you go to our Psalmist Henry Falcone uh, YouTube channel, you'll find them on there. And I don't know if the second one's up there yet. It may be. I think it is, but I'm not sure yet. I think that, that I'll probably post it later on Facebook. But if you go to the YouTube channel, it's on there. And there's a cry of the Lord that's coming forth. That war trumpet I was talking about yesterday where the Lord, you know, we have to hear him as the voice of a war trumpet. And in Revelation chapter 4, 1, the call is to come up here. Now, remember, John is the first overcomer, a type of overcomer before the Lord. And he's lifted up into the second heavens to meet the Lord. And I shared that with yesterday. And Jesus reveals to him the, the preparation of what the church needs to be ready for the events that are going to come in the end times. Revelation chapter one through five is what I call the glory roadmap. It speaks of what the Lord is a present word, a prophetic vision for our day. And that's what that's what you need to see, that we have a prophetic vision uh, for, for our day, that we're in a time of divine intervention. beloved. And that prophetic vision is so important for us to capture right now. The prophetic vision of the unfolding of the kingdom of God, the manifestation of the sons of God is so critical for us understanding and being able to be part of that the Lord caused everything to stop in 2020. Everything, the whole world, I talked about it yesterday. But in that time, we had a chance to hit a spiritual reset with the Lord, to come out of the church age and enter the kingdom age. And yesterday I shared with you about that there are a lot of even some kingdom-minded people coming into kingdom-minded understanding that you know, still see that everybody has to be in the local church. Everybody has to be under that old structure, and everybody who isn't is either rebellious, you know, or or, or something wrong with them, including Bible ministers who are not towing the line, so to speak. And I wrote a very long article on Facebook. And I hope you read it. I was up till three o'clock in the morning. It took me three hours to write it. The last two articles took me three hours, and both of them came at midnight. It's funny, both at the midnight hour, God gave me those words. Why at midnight? I don't know. Get ready to bed. And they got speaking to me. 
beginning of the new day, the Lord gives me these new words. I think that's pretty prophetic, don't you? That at 12 o'clock, he gave me that first word that I have posted and, 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 and the second one, which I have to put on our uh, website. Both of them came at midnight. Now, midnight always represents a new day, right? A new day, because it's when it starts. His mercies are new every morning. But he had me address two things at the midnight hour. And I and, and talks about church, that church structure, understanding that religious mindset that is blinding people from seeing the kingdom of God and blinding God's leaders and causing us to take the kingdom, some kingdom truths, put it into the church age structure of the old wineskin, paint it over and call it kingdom when it's not. It's really doing the same thing over again, just calling it by a new name and a new flavor, which the church has done over and over again because they, they know they need something fresh. So they take the paint out and they paint it over and say, that's fresh. Good morning, Crystal. God bless you. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for joining. Um, and so the kingdom of God is not a paint over. It's not a do over. The kingdom of God is an unfolding of the finishing work of Jesus that actually transforms the kingdoms of this earth into the kingdoms of our God. It will look nothing like anything we've ever seen before. The seventh day, you know, of the millennial reign of Jesus is nothing compared to the first six days of mankind, because we know Satan and all those that don't accept Jesus and those demons are thrown into the lake of fire for a thousand years. Can you imagine what the world's going to be like without all of that? Can you imagine? I can't. It's hard to imagine ruling and reigning with Jesus. It's hard to imagine a bride coming down all adorn his way and as a new Jerusalem city. You know, with God's government will be established throughout all the world with a be peace, love, joy, the fullness of the spirit of God. There won't be any of the sin and darkness and sickness and diseases that we experience now. It'd be totally different. We've never been there before. We don't even know what it looks like. We don't know what it's like to walk in the garden as Adam did, but we're going to because mankind is going to come under the rulership. There's going to be a one world government on this earth, but it's not going to be Satan's. It's going to be the Lord's. It's going to be because the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God in Christ under his headship. And then he's going to have his, his, his overcomers to rule with him. They're going to sit on his throne with him in rulership. Revelation chapter 5 says they're going to rule and reign with a rod of iron, which is the word of the Lord of the, out of their mouth over the nations to make sure that they're in, in, in order the way that God uh, caused it to be. That's coming. So for where we are now to that reality, there is a transition period, you know, we call the end times and the end times takes us out of where we were to where we need to be. And that's presently the position of where we are. The book of Revelation opens up with with the unfolding of the finishing work of Jesus to prepare us as sons of God, full grown sons of God, you know, so that we can walk and rule and reign and take dominion over the earth with the Lord and subdue it. That's what Revelation chapter one through five is all about. And it, it's a, the preparation of the people. That's why I said that the, the church age message is salvation. The kingdom message is preparation. Preparation to what? To rule and to reign. It's a completely different place. Something that we're not used to. I mean, something that we don't understand. But there are secrets throughout the Bible of how the Lord prepares us and positions us and enables us. And what I shared with you in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 10, 13, there is so much allegorical truth hidden in those scriptures that speaks of a present work of the Lord that's hidden manna 
that helps us be able to cooperate with the Lord and what the Lord is doing for this day and for this hour. This passage of scripture expresses in beautiful spiritual imagery, a prophetic vision of an outpouring of God's pure holy love by the Holy Spirit during these latter days. It speaks of it. It's, it there's much hidden in there. And again, they have to be sought out, you know? And again, I, I, I credit my spiritual fathers, Wade Taylor and Rima Gatlin and others that have taught these truths, expounded these truths. But even as I digested them from God, the spirit of God from them, God has revealed it to me personally, which is what should happen even as I'm sure it should reveal it to you personally so that it becomes your personal word, your life's experience, that the truths that the Lord has hidden in his word, the revelation of those truths give us right understanding. And when we have right understanding, we can walk in the right timing. And when we walk in the right timing, we can walk in the right delivery system, which means it manifests on the earth. So those things are critical. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 10 through 13 speaks of a special time of divine intervention. That divine intervention is to take us from, from, uh, from where we were as Christians and believers to become overcomers, rulers and reigners, kings and priests unto the Lord. Revelation 1 through chapter 5 is that glory roadmap of what the Lord has chosen, the way that he's chosen to do his third day work or his finishing work. Now, remember, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. You know, so I shared this in yesterday, but I'm going to share it again today because I want to start where I left off yesterday. And I pray that as I share these, this, this word would become a burning word. It would burn within your spirit. It would ignite that divine seed of his kingdom in your life and cause it to grow and expand as the Lord pours miracle grow upon it. But it's, 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 it's important to understand the day, the time, and the reason um, that season that we're in. One of the first broadcasts when I started way back in 2020, the Lord said the tribe of Issachar. And I taught on the tribe of Issachar and what they had, what quality they had to understand the times, the seasons of the Lord, who God is uh, raising up and who God is taking down. And they also had the wisdom to know who would be around the leaders and who didn't. They had a special gift of discernment. And that gift of discernment, that tribe of Issachar anointing is needed for now for us to rightly understand the time that we're living in. If we don't see the time we're living in correctly and understand what the Lord's doing, we will miss this end time visitation of the Lord. And you can miss it. Many missed the, the Lord's first coming, didn't they? They, you know, he was there. They didn't even recognize who he was. And they're going to miss the second coming, too, if they do not really have an ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. He that has an ear, let them hear. So the tribe of Issachar knew, knew the times and the seasons of the Lord. They were able to discern the changing, the shifting of days. I've prayed for that. I've asked God to work that within my life so that I would understand the timings, that I would understand the seasons, so that I wouldn't miss his moving. And, and so the Lord has moved into the third day. He's moved into this, the, the, it's the seventh day of mankind, but it's the third day of the church. You know, for the first 2,000 years, we've known Jesus as the Savior, as the Alpha God, the healer, the deliverer, the rest, restorer, and we should know him as that. But in the end times, and the third day, when he enters into that third day, he has to complete his work, which means he has to finish us so that we can be positioned with him to be able to transform the kingdoms of this earth into the kingdoms of our God. So to be able to transition us to be able to do that, we have to come out of the church age 
church age function, church age understanding, and, and as it's shown us in the book of, uh, of Revelation chapter three, that the end time church is the church at Laodicea. And what does that, what does it say about it? You say you're rich in need of nothing, you, but your real state is poor, pitiable, blind, and naked. You're still in the state of infancy. You didn't grow. Even though you say you're rich in need of nothing, you're really lukewarm because you're mixed with, you're mixed with the spirit and the flesh. There's a mixture of flesh and spirit which produces lukewarmness that can't enter into that glory realm. So it has to be spewed out of the mouth of the Lord. And there's a call to repent all through Revelation chapter two and three is he that has an ear, let him repent, let him change, let him overcome. So the three key words in Revelation chapter two and three are repent, change and overcome. Those are the three words, repent, change and overcome. That's what you'll find in Revelation chapter two and three. Chapter Revelation chapter one shows Jesus standing in the midst of the church in the air. And the whole chapter one is he's ready to show us our spiritual condition. That's what most of the church and leaders and ministers are, miss, are missing. They don't see him as the judge. Remember, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Before he judges the world, he has to judge the church. And I don't mean judge to, to burn everybody up but to show what his condition and then give an opportunity to repent and change. Even the judgments that the Lord is going to release upon the earth gives everyone on the earth the opportunity to what? Repent, change, accept the Lord and overcome. So those three words are key. Please remember this, repent, change and overcome. That's, those are the keys in Revelation chapter one, two and three. Chapters four and five are those who have repented, changed and overcome. They are able to go up into the glory realm and to be able to see him, fellowship with him, experience with him, and become one with him at a much higher place in the heavenly realms with him. They actually live before the throne. They dwell before the throne and they become connected with the four living creatures and so that they can be formed as a wheel within a wheel. Within a wheel. So look at it this way, that in this end time work, the Lord lifts us up in the spirit into the second heavens. Okay, why do we come up to the second heavens? To meet the Lord. Because that's what we lost in the garden. You see, how do I know that? The Bible describes Jesus as the second Adam. Where the first Adam failed, the second Adam didn't. Jesus had to be made exactly like Adam, with the ability to be able to choose his own will and do whatever he wanted. He had that. He was made just like us in every way. He left all that glory that he had, it says in Philippians, and he became a man, and he humbled himself further to become a slave to the Father. And a sermon to us. And everything Jesus did on this earth, he did as the son of man. He was the son of God, but he's also the son of man. And as the son of man, he had to live that perfected life of complete obedience to the father, which he did. That's why people died. People that Jesus loved died. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't raise everybody from the dead. He only did exactly what the father told him to do. And in that obedience, Jesus as a second Adam had authority, power, and dominion over the earth and over the air. Yes, didn't he? Because when he walked on that water, he didn't walk on that water as the son of God. He walked on that water as the son of man and the son of God. But it wasn't his godness that caused him to walk on the water. It, he walked on the water at the father's command as a man. And because the father said to do that, he was able to to walk on the water. He was able to speak to storms. 
Just as Moses was able to speak and release plagues upon the earth by hearing the fathers and doing exactly what the father did, he Moses was given authority to you know to frogs and and locusts and and changing the Red Sea to blood. God did all the work through Moses, and God did all the work through Jesus. That's the whole point. And so that means that God wants to do all of those works through you. God is not going to violate his law. He has to work through men. That's how he made it. He gave mankind to take dominion over the earth and subdue it. He could do it, but he would violate his own law because he made us to do it. That's why we have to come into the reality that we are sons of God, that we are daughters of God, and that we are maturing right now. And God is bringing us to the place where we can walk again with him, married to him, one with him in that dominion authority, doing only and exactly what the father tells him and us to do together. That's the testimony of Jesus. That's where, where we're one with him. And so right now in the church, if you take a look at where the church is right now, if you're a pastor, you take a look at the condition of your church. How many people are living fully for the Lord? How many are living in mixture of pleasing the Lord and pleasing themselves? If you would be honest and you looked at the condition of the people that God has entrusted to you, you would see that the Laodicean church, the Ephesian church, the church of Sardis, all of those, Thyatira, all of those things are in the corporate body of Christ right now. All of those sins that are keeping us from our destiny, that are keeping us from fulfilling our, our purposes. So we so for us to be able to come into our purposes, we have to rise up. My beloved said to me, rise up, my love, my fear one, and come away with me. What does that mean? We got to come out of our present understanding and reality of how we're living as Christians. Our present walk with the Lord of knowing him as our savior, thank God, as our restorer and our healer. But we must know much more than just what he does for us. We must know who he is. And he has to reveal who he is through you, through us. Our life must become the reflection of his life on the, on the earth, just as he was a reflection of the father's life. Everything he did, the father was doing through him. He was the vessel that the father chose to, for the father to be seen through him. That everything that Jesus did, Jesus said, this is the father. I'm only doing what the father shows me to do. I'm only speaking what the father tells me to say. So he always brought everything back to his father. That's why they wanted to stone him in front of death because he was claiming God was his father. And the true testimony of a Christian is that we are claiming God as our father. We are sons and daughters of God. But right now, because of all the, you know, of what happened, where we lost really the, the power of the Holy Spirit when 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 the when Christianity became a, reli a religion under Constantine from the Dark Ages all the way up to 1900 we had lost for the most part the power and glory of God we became just like every other religion of the world but in 1900 God began to an outpouring of the Spirit at Azusa Street that began to be changed and God began to restore us back to where we belong and so it's been a hundred years 120 years exactly 122 years since that outpouring of Azusa Street that began to restore the church back to its place. It restored the, the fivefold ministry. It restored the gifts of the spirit. It restored all of those things. But yet that up until the year 2000 did not finish us. There has to be a deeper work. We got restored the gifts of the spirit. We began to understand the Bible ministry. We began to evangelize the world in ways that we never have before. Acts of God, miracles, signs, wonders, healings were all released in a marvelous way from 1900 to 2000. And yet in all of that, we're not done. So there has to be a change of day. There has to come a point where Jesus fulfills his word. 
And that's where we are. And that's why uh, Song of Solomon 2, 2, 10 through 13 is so important. It speaks of the change of season and the change of day. And we've got to get this within our spirit because when we get it within our spirit, then we can begin to cooperate with the Lord. We understand what the Lord is doing. And so now that we understand what he's doing, we stop fighting and kicking about kicking against him, trying to do our own things. Now, this is critical. And when does the Lord decide to do this? On the third day. So John is on the, in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is the seventh day. So it says that in Revelation chapter one for a reason. That Those are not just little tidbits of information. He goes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Why not? On, that's the Sabbath day. Why not on the day before or the day after? Because on the Sabbath day, it represented the rest. And Jesus appears to him on the rest day when you cease from your efforts and when you cease from your own works and you honored the Lord with the Sabbath. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, comes and causes John to come up in the spirit to see him like he's never seen him before, hear him like he's never heard him before. He doesn't even recognize him because his voice is like a war trumpet. And when he hears that voice, it's so different. He has to turn around to see who it was. And when he sees Jesus, he doesn't know who he is. And he falls on his face like a, a dead man. And then Jesus says, it's I. Hey, John, it's me, Jesus. Get up. No, that's not what he says. Remember, he says, I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Write down everything I'm going to tell you. See, it's I who is pierced. And then he shows him, then he shows him his hands. And then he's to recognize, wow, this person in front of me right now, this spirit that I'm seeing before me, this spirit man that's before me is Jesus. I have never seen Jesus like this before. John as the overcomer. I said this yesterday and ended with it. In John 17, he prayed, Father, I pray that those that you have given me would see me in the glory that I had before the foundation of the world. And John, when he looks into, looks to see Jesus, he sees Jesus in his glory that he had before the foundation of the earth. And what does Jesus look like? Oh, he's got long brown hair. He's got brown skin, you know, and I can come and put my head on his breast. No, that is not the Jesus that he sees. This is not the different Jesus. This is, he's getting the revelation of Jesus as the Omega God. As Jesus walked the earth as the son of man, son of God, he saw them as the Alpha. But now he's going to get the revelation of the Omega God. And that changes everything. The revelation of Jesus as the Omega God, the finishing God, or the Lion of Judah, to see him as the roaring line of Judah, to see this one riding on that white horse, leading the host of heaven and the, on the host of earth, is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the 66th book of the Bible that we need for this day and for this hour. And for us to be able to see him and receive him, we are receiving a divine visitation for those that are hearing the Lord, those that are hearing him knocking at the door, those that hear that in their spirit, and open the door and let him him are going to meet Jesus this way. They're going to see him as the lion and the lamb seated on the throne. They're going to see him in his majesty, in his glory. And they're going to be caught up into that glory realm like Zechariah is in, in Zechariah chapter 3, where he's standing before the throne of God and the Lord has to finish him there. And the, the Lord finishes Joshua by a command. Take off those filthy garments and clothe them with rich apparel which means there has to be a change. Clothing represents position. He can't stand in that glory place. Joshua the high priest cannot stand in that glory place with the clothes of mixture. Those are dirty rags. In the Old Testament, if Joshua stood with dirty rags in the literal temple of the Lord, he would have died. 
because it represents sweat, it represents human efforts, and they would have had to pull him out by a rope. But he's caught up in a vision, he's caught up in the spirit, and he's standing before the throne of God, throne of God so that the, that the father can finish him. He says to his servant, remove those filthy rags and clothe them with royal robes of rich apparel and put a clean turban on his head. Both of those are significant that speak to what God is doing right now. Right now, we as are being made into a royal priesthood, like Joshua the high priest, we're sharing in Jesus's high priestly ministry. And for us to stand in that glory, we have to change our clothing. The clothing of the church age, the functions, the structure of the church age are a wineskin. And we can't stand in that wineskin in the glory realm because it's mixed with flesh and spirit. So we have to be changed our clothing. Clothing represents a change of positioning. And so when we're positioned before the Lord as Joshua Hyde the priest, we have to have royal robes. Isn't that beautiful? So we're clothed with Jesus's royalty. That's right. That's why we're a, a royal priesthood in a holy nation. So we get new robes, new clothing, new armor, new weapons, a new position because we're seeing differently. We're hearing differently. We're right before the throne room of God like Joshua is. And then for Joshua to stay there, to hear God, to walk, it says in Zechariah Three, to walk here amongst these, your clothes have to be changed. You have to have a new turban, which is a completely new mindset. And that's the difference. He enters before the Lord with a church age Levitical priesthood mindset. But as he stands before the Lord, the Lord removes the church age clothing, the church age Levitical priesthood mindset, and he clothes them with kingdom clothing and a kingdom turban, which represents the Melchizedek priestly ministry of the Lord. And those two things give him the ability to stand before the Lord in his glory. And then he gives him one command. If you will hear my voice and keep my ways, I will give you access. That's what it says in Zechariah chapter three. I will give you access to my courts to stay here. And that's what this is about. This change that God's working in you gives you access. It gives you access to God in ways we have never known in the church age. Jesus is coming in to sup with you, to reveal to you the secrets and the mysteries, his thoughts and plans that he has for you, for your life, your family and ministry, so that you can be clothed with that royal garment, with that new turban upon your head, with a new armor on, the new weapons, so that you can stand and overcome in the day that we're living in. That's why everything has to change. That's why we can't stay where we are. That's why the churches that will want to continue going down, the apostles and prophets that want to go back and rebuild the, the book of Acts, they are going to miss this end time visitation because they are still staying in the salvation alone message instead of salvation that leads you to preparation to rule and reign. The cross is preached much in, in, in the church age and rightfully so because that's, that's the way in, you know, through the cross. But our destination is not the cross. Our destination is the throne. The cross is a doorway to the throne. What's throne mean? Ruling and reigning with the Lord as an overcomer. And I hope that's what you want. You want to become, you want to become that full-grown son of God and overcomer. And the Lord, the more you see it, the more that quickening, overcoming, full-grown sonship is revealed in you because now you believe it. Now you receive it. Now you begin to see yourself the way the Lord sees you because you're repenting and you're changing and all these things that are telling you you can't be who God wants you to be, all these things that are trying to keep you from your destiny melt away because you're being filled with glory and now you can see. Now you can see. Now you can hear. And as you can see and hear in the spirit and you're hearing and seeing the Lord as this, 
as our king of glory, as this overcomer with eyes of fire, his hair shining, his face shining like the noonday sun, his hair as white as snow, full of wisdom. And you see him like that. You begin to take that nature on because as we see him, we shall be like him. And the more you see him, the more you believe who you are. Because as you believe he is, because he's showing himself to you, the more you can see yourself the way he sees you and the more you can receive who you are. And the doubt and the fear gets cast out because perfect love, what cast out all fear? This is the finishing work of the arising of Joel's army. Many are already into that process like you. Many are almost completed that process. And some may have completed that process where God can now manifest his entire life through them as full grown sons of God. That full company is going to come into existence on planet Earth. That full company of the wise virgins who got that fullness of the extra oil, who hear him at the midnight hour, they go through that door. And then when that company, that number is in, the door shuts and no more can get in to this overcoming position. And that's exactly shown in Revelation chapter 12, when the dragon, once the man child is caught up in heaven, the dragon chases the woman. That's the rest of the saints. And the Lord protects them, but it's completely different. They're not in an overcoming position. They're being chased. So you're either going to be chased or you're going to be a chaser. I'd rather be a chaser than being chased. When I say chaser, that means destroy the works of the devil. How many of you want that? Are you seeing the picture today, beloved? Is the Lord helping you to begin to see what, the, what, what he's doing Whoops. in our midst? Sorry, I just messed up here. I need to fix this. What did I just do? Go back. That's not what I want. Okay, I need to shut that off. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. I won't be able to see your, I don't get this, I won't be able to see your comments. I don't want to see comments. Come on. Come on. Yep, there we are. Beautiful. Got it. Okay. All right. I'm glad you're a chaser. I want to be a chaser too. Hallelujah. Now, all of this happens in a season. And if you listen to the season and Song of Solomon chapter two says, below the winter is past. That represents a time. The winter's past. The rain is over and gone. And the flowers appear on the earth. That represents springtime. It just happens to be happening right now. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds has come and the voice of the turtle is heard in the land. We're going to look at that today and tomorrow because it is a prophetic picture, prophetic vision for our day that we need to understand. When does this happen? It happens in the transition between the second day and the third day. And and brings us into the third day kingdom reality. This is where Jesus's finishing work is. If you want to see where God, where the Lord is, you, you must read Revelation chapter one and chapter through Revelation chapter five, because that speaks of the glory roadmap and the end of Roman of, of, of Revelation chapter five, it, they're singing a new song and he has formed us into a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. They're singing, they're singing their testimony. Singing always represents a victorious testimony. The singing of the birds, the singing, the voice of the turtle doves. Singing represents victory. Crying represents suffering, you know, or, or just making it in. That's why they're crying salvation. They get in just by escaping the fire. They're crying. Two testimonies in heaven, crying and singing. Crying means you make it in because you trusted Jesus to save you, but the rest of your life is burnt up because you didn't, you weren't ready or prepared. The singing testimony is of the overcomers. So notice in the book of Revelation, it says, sing unto the Lord a new song. 
you know, in that, in Revelation, it says, sing unto the Lord a new song more than any other book in the Bible. The new song is spoken more of the book in the book of Revelation than any other book of the of the Bible. Why? Singing represents overcoming. You should write that down. Singing is an overcoming posture. So here, the the winter's past. The rain is over and gone. That that those represent two days. The winter's over. The rain is over. That those two prophetic days. But the flowers now appear. When do flowers appear? In the spring. In a new season. The time of the singing of the birds has come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Now, all of this happens when? On a particular day. Now, if you go over with me to Luke chapter 13, and I've shared this, but I, I really want you to, to hear it. In verse 31, at that very hour, birth, the Pharisees came up and said to him, Go away from here, for Herod is determined to kill you. Okay. And it says, and he said to them, and I've taught this before, but he answers them in the most straight, strangest way. Now, if somebody came up to you and said, I'm going to kill you, you would probably say, okay, when's he coming? What time is he coming? And, you know, or I'm not afraid of him. You know, uh, I've got, I got my armies, you know, you know, my father in heaven could call down legions of armies like he told to Herod. But he answers in a bizarre way to the natural mind. He says this, go tell that fox. This is a prophetic message. Go tell that fox. This, these words. I drive out demons and perform healing, healings today and tomorrow. What's he talking about? He's talking about two prophetic days, today and tomorrow, two days. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. He's speaking of the church age work of what he has done. And he says here, I drive out demons and I perform healings today and tomorrow. We, when we get saved, we get healed. When we get saved, we get restored. He heals us physically, spiritually, emotionally. And he drives out the demonic forces that have tried to destroy our lives. And that's the work of the church for the first two days. And Jesus does that work perfectly. We just do it in mixture. We try to do it and we let God do it. But I want you to notice, why say this? Why is this such an important prophetic answer? And why don't you hear this? And why don't you hear this on Sunday or on Wednesday or on the programs? They'll talk about the end times, but they don't talk about this because they see the end times as a completely separate event and they actually have much wrong understanding of the unfolding of these last days. As a matter of fact, if you go out by a lot of the, what the theologian says, you're really going to miss the Lord. They didn't get it right the first time. They thought they knew when the Messiah was coming. They didn't get it right the first time. And many of the religious theologians that are not keeping their face close to God are going to, they have given us wrong information for these last days. But he says this, and on the third day, I will complete my course. In another translation, I will finish my work on the third day. The third day happens to be the seventh day from mankind, 4,000 years from Adam to Christ, 2,000 years from Christ to the year 2000, that's six days. And in 2000, we entered into the seventh day or the third day of the church. On the third day, I'm going to finish my course. All of that is unfolded in the book of Revelation. The third day message, 
the third day understanding, the third day content is contained in one last book. And it's the last book for a reason, because he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So to understand the last days, to understand the finishing work of the Lord and the last days work of the Lord, wouldn't, wouldn't it be wise that the Lord would reveal himself to us as a finisher, the author, the finisher, the first and the last? Wouldn't it be wise for the Lord to reveal himself to us that he that started this good work in you we will be faithful to complete it to the end? But what you see is how the Lord is going to finish us is by a revelation of Jesus Christ as the finisher. As we see him in the glory that he had before the foundation of the earth, our seeing him like this, our of him revealing himself in us as the king of glory, that we're married to the king of glory, that the king of glory is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord strong in battle. That revelation in us causes us to win causes us to be victorious, causes us to see ourselves completely different instead of running from the devil and always trying to overcome all these things, over, you know, or always facing things that are overcoming us. We become overcomers over them as Jesus did. He says, as I have overcome the world, so will you overcome the world. As I was in the world, so will you be in the world. The works that I do, you should what? Also do. So there's a union and communion in this last day of being married to the Lord. So we work with the Lord. You know, we live with the Lord as one with him and such a oneness that we together are doing the Father's instructions as one with him, as one with Jesus, as one with the Holy Spirit. And then we do it as one with one another. So all of us together form a corporate body of Christ that are one with him and that and our oneness with him as a bride makes us a bridal people or sons of God or full grown sons of God as a corporate body of Christ completely under the headship of the Lord because we're now a mature body who can be connected to a mature head. And now he can function what he was limited to do in a single body. He can now do in a multi-membered body, a wheel within a wheel upon the earth and the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth, right? Because he's doing it through a multi-membered body of mature saints, sons of God, daughters of God, whatever you want to call a man-child company. They have been readied. They have been positioned. They have been prepared. And now they're ready to be propelled with the glory of God to be a witness, to bring the gospel of the kingdom as a witness to hold the earth. And then the end will come. And as that witness comes and their gospel testimony comes, they will, together with the Lord, transform the kingdoms of this earth into the kingdoms of our God in Christ. They'll see it. You'll be participants of it. Praise the Lord. So it is said, he goes on in 33 and he repeats it. And when the Lord repeats a truth, like barely, barely, I say unto you, he does it for emphasis. So he's going to say it a second time to them. Thank you, Lord. It says, nevertheless, I must continue. Look at this. My, I, on my way, I need to continue. So on the third day, the seventh day, the Lord didn't stop working. God ceased from his works. But what happens on the third day and the seventh day is that unfolding work of what Jesus completed has to be revealed. It has to be revealed in us. He's not coming for a church full of spots, blemishes, and wrinkles. He's coming for a glory-filled church without spot, without blemish, and without wrinkle. And so he has to finish us and complete us. And when we get that revelation that we are entered into a new day and a new season, now, Lord, finish me, complete me. How many of you want that in reality? God, finish me, complete me. And there's something burning inside of you to put off this corruptible that doesn't want to please God or get it completely subdued so that we can live in complete obedience to the Lord. We will. It's happening right now.
He will have full grown sons and daughters of God that will obey the Lord just as Jesus did. Jesus is the firstborn of what? Many brethren. Many, not just one. As Jesus overcame, we're going to overcome. Thank you, Lord. And so when you see that, you begin to burn for it. You begin to desire it, right? That means you begin to seek the Lord in a new way. Why? To see him. Because when I see him, I'm going to be like him. I'm not seeking him for gifts. I'm not seeking him for miracles. I'm not seeking him for signs and wonders. I'm not seeking him for evangelism. I'm seeking his face. Because when I behold him, I'm changed. When I behold him, he can speak to me. He can burn his words in me. He can share his thoughts with me. He can share his desires. And we can be one together. And whatever the Father's will is, we will do together. I don't have to worry about ministry. I don't have to make a ministry. I don't have to build a ministry. I become a ministry because I'm one with him. My life is a ministry because now I'm being led by the Spirit of God. I'm a son of God. I'm being directed by God. I'm not doing my own will. I'm not doing my own thing. I'm one with the Lord. As Mary with him and we together are now coming out of that wilderness i'm leaning upon my beloved and now we are ready to be a ministry instead of do a ministry or have a ministry i don't have a ministry i tell that to people all the time you have a powerful ministry i said no i don't i don't have any ministry i pray i am one i don't have one because if i have one i can pick it up put it down i can build it i can form it, I can shape it. But if I become the ministry of the Spirit of God and that ministry of the Spirit of God becomes my life, I have no power over it to change it. I only have one thing to obey the will of God. And if that has worked in me and worked in you, then God can take these living stones and connect them together because now we're not seeking any other agenda. We're not seeking other any other plan, but to be pleasing to the Father. And do only and exactly what the Father wants. Now we get yoked up together. And this is a divine alignment. That's why God's bringing us all together. From all different parts of the world and nations together. To form this wheel within a wheel. Because that heart is in you. That heart is in me. And so now we come together to seek the face of God. Like in a divine convergence. And now we're positioned to hear God corporately. We're positioned to hear his end time plans and purposes for our lives. Our families. And then for our communities. And, and how he wants to impact the world through us. We begin to receive the instructions. We begin to receive the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God because we're up here with him in this glory realm. Revelation chapter four and five is all about living in the glory realm. Revelation one, two, and three is to prepare you to live in the glory realm because it's in the glory realm of living up there. Like when that man child is caught up to God, caught up into the spirit, caught up into heaven. Then he's caught up to the throne, caught up to God. He's caught up to the air in the second heaven. And when that happens, a war breaks out in heaven and Michael and the archangels are released to throw Satan out of that place that he stole from us in the heavenly realms right above us. When that, when that man-child company is fully birthed, they, they're birthed into the spirit to see Jesus up here, like I'm describing to you in Revelation chapter 1. And in that, then they get to go up higher. Revelation chapter 4, notice John goes up higher. He hears the war trumpet calling him again, right? And I, I heard, and I, 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 I looked up and I saw a door standing open in heaven. So he looks up and he sees a higher place. There's a door standing open in heaven. What's that doorway? To the very throne of God. And that voice, Jesus' voice that called him, you know, in Revelation chapter one, that spoke to him, speaks again, says, come up here. 
Why? So I can show you the things that have come hereafter. What does that mean? That brings you out of time, out of space, into eternity. You come up into the eternity of eternities, and now you are able to see how God is going to finish his work. You receive the instructions from eternity's perspective, and you release the words of the Lord from the spirit of prophecy from heaven to earth. And now that which God has for eternity to change and transform this earth is now released into time, into space, and transform everything so that we can enter into the millennial reign of the Lord from up here. Come up here so I can show you the things that are here to come. Now, why do we need to see that? Because we, the Bible says, do not let this day come upon you, what? Unawares. Don't let it overtake you like a thief in the night. So there are going to be people who are going to see and hear and prepared and those who are not. Hmm, where's that in the Bible? Well, there was 10 virgins, five wise, five foolish. Many are called, few are chosen. And that day the Lord's gonna, there's gonna be two in the field. The Lord's gonna take one and one's gonna be left behind. We use that as a rapture, but think about from this per perspective. There are some, one that's gonna go up and become an overcomer and one that's gonna stay and be part of that woman that's being chased by the dragon. These are spiritual positions. And those positions are not something that you and I can pick or choose or make happen. The only way that we become an overcomer is by absolute surrender and dependence upon God. The emptying of our life as we've known it to be, to completely be married with the Lord and walk in that oneness. That's the only way that we can be lifted up into that higher place of the Lord. Because that's, that's the only condition of the heart that the Lord can use as we go up. Is this helpful to you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So he says in verse 33, nevertheless, I'm again, he says a second time, I must continue on my way today and tomorrow and the day after that. Do you see the three days? I have to continue today and tomorrow and the day after that. Beloved, we're in the day after that. If you're watching this broadcast and this is the word that God is doing in you, do you realize we're not living in in in, in um, the today and tomorrow, the two two prophetic days of the church age. We're living in the day after that. Why? Because he's calling those things which are not as though they are. The kingdom day age is the day after that. The day after what? The day after the church age. This is not a foreign concept. It's right here. I'm reading you the word of God. This is not Henry Falcon's opinion. This is it. And so our choice, beloved, are we going to stay in the today and tomorrow? He says, Jesus says, today and tomorrow, I perform miracles and healing, salvation and, you know, baptism, the Holy Spirit gifts and that. Or do we want to live in the day after that? Notice the three days. They represent the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. Isn't that what the millennial reign is? The God who is to come to reign within his people. A new Jerusalem city where the Lord is the light. And his government is established upon the earth and it brings peace and harmony and, and, and the, the fullness of God's kingdom for a full thousand year reign. So that every person that's living can see the reign of Jesus. And the only thing I can, I, the only thing I can assume, I'm not getting, I'm not saying this is thus saith the Lord. Why does the Lord let Satan out for a little while? I don't know why, but perhaps for this reason. You have heard the history of the first 6,000 years when the God of this world ruled over the earth. You have seen now my rule over the earth choose. 
if there are people that haven't made that choice, maybe they're still there to make that choice. And I'm not saying they'll say at the Lord, but we know he's let out for a little bit of time. But then after that, his total annihilation is completely done with. And then there's then there's a new heaven and a new earth. There's not going to be a new physical earth. It's just going to be made new. Old things have passed away. It's been new. It's just like we no longer go into the church age wine skin structure. No more. We're in a kingdom age, completely different. We're still on the same planet. We're just living differently. I know that's that that's a lot to think about. But if you notice where the church is today and where the church age message is, it's still preaching the same message. People need to be saved. And that's exactly right. And they need to be. But even when we enter the kingdom of God, that doesn't mean that we're not going to preach people need to be saved. Matter of fact, the witness of the brightness of God's glory is going to cause people to want to repent. And you're going to tell them what they need. What do we need to be saved? And you're going to tell them because they're going to see the brightness of the glory of God upon you. They're going to see God working through you, Jesus in you, through you, doing those signs, wonders, and miracles, subduing the earth, and then they will be wanting to be saved. And so we will be able to preach the alpha part of salvation and demonstrate the finishing part of salvation. Amen. For I must continue my way today and tomorrow and the day after that, for it will never do a prophet to be destroyed from Jerusalem. So you see, there is a different day. Below the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. That represents the first two prophetic days, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. The new kingdom age is described like this the flowers appear in the earth. And notice this as a time of singing of the birds is come. Singing represents overcoming victory. That's why it's singing. That's why they sing unto the Lord a new song. And he has called us out of every tribe and every nation. Revelation 5, 6 through 10. And he's purchased us with his own blood. And he has formed us into a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. Do you know when they sing that? After heaven stops us and, this, and, and they look around, who is worthy to take that seal? And they don't see anybody. John doesn't see anything and he weeps. And then an elder steps up and says, why are you weeping? Look, behold. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he is able to take the scroll and break the seals. And immediately a song breaks out. Once we realize who is worthy to take the scroll and break the seals. And how is he described? He's described as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the finishing work. And how does he describe him? The root of David. Okay. Why is David so important in this? Because Jesus said forever. There will be a king that will sit on your throne. David was the one that instituted the pure and holy worship to God the way God wanted it. He was a man after God's own heart. And so we have the root of David and we have what? The lion of the tribe of Judah. And that represents the finishing work of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And so that finishing work that we're entering in is a season. And that season, what happens? The flowers appear. That means that, that I'm going to talk about, it, but, but it represents a time of fruitfulness. It says the birds, uh, the, the singing of the birds has come and the voice of the turtle doves are heard in uh, our land. Thank you, Lord. Now in Isaiah chapter 60, verse one through three, we hear a calling out from the Lord, a command being released. Isaiah prophesies, arise and shine for your light is come and the glory of the Lord 
is risen upon you. Notice what it says. Arise and shine for your light has come. Revelation, excuse me, Psalm 24 is the fulfillment of this scripture. This this description is a fulfillment of Psalm 24. Revelation chapter one through five is the fulfilling of this scripture right here. And it says, arise and shine for your light. When John looks up into the face of Jesus, what does he see? Darkness? What does he describe? His face is shining like the noonday sun. His eyes are like fire. Out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. His his hair is as white as snow. He's holding the seven stars in his right hand. His, 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 His white raiments are glistening white. He has a gold sash around his waist. And his feet are burning like an oven. Does that sound like dark to you? No, it's light. Look at what it says. Arise, it's a command, and shine, for your light has come. When does this become a reality? On the third day, I'm going to finish my work. Today and tomorrow, I'm going to do healings and miracles. But on the third day, I'm going to complete you. And in that completing work, you're going to rise out of where you have been in the church age. You're going to rise because you've got the gold tried by fire. You've got the ISAP for your eyes. You've got the white raiment that's found in Revelation chapter 3. And now you are positioned to he that overcomes. I'm going to give him the right to sit down on my throne, even as I sat down and overcame and sit down on my father's throne. Do you see it? Isn't this awesome? Beloved. It's important that we see the scriptures of what the Lord is saying, because I can say, listen, come to divine convergence. Well, where's divine convergence in the Bible? What's that all about? And what's all of this thing about the third day? You've got to see it in the word. It's hidden. This is hidden manna. It's not my word. It's just the revelation. It's the hidden manna, the secrets and the mysteries. Remember I said the other day, we have a choice of being a you or them. I taught about Matthew 13. They asked him, why do you teach them in parables? And he doesn't even answer the question. He says, to you. I have given the right to know the secrets and the mysteries to them of the kingdom. But to them, I speak in parables. And why? Because they have eyes to see and they can't hear, ears to hear and they can't hear, and hearts that are grown fat and can't understand. Their condition is just like the church at Laodicea. They can't see and hear. But to you, it's been given the right to receive the secrets and the mysteries, the hidden manner. One of the overcoming qualities in Revelation chapter three is that to he that overcomes, I give him the right to eat the the hidden manna. That's what we're doing right now as overcomers. So at this present time, the Lord is seeking out those who are willing to set aside their past religious concepts that are willing to burn the chips, ships, who are willing to see and understand by God that for me to overcome in these days we're living in, I can no longer stay in the church structure or function of the second day church. I cannot stay there. I cannot live in the old wineskin of the church age. It had its day. It had its moments. Thank God for it. Thank God for all God did in it, but it's over with. Because on the third day, there is a deeper finishing work of Jesus that requires a change of clothing like Zechariah, a new turban on our head, and a new placement in the glory realm. Do you see that, beloved? So it's new wine skin to contain the new wine. Now, this what I'm sharing is going to begin to be preached by more and more people, and maybe some are. Because 
the forerunners, what a forerunner does is they announce it and announce it and announce it and announce it until it can be seen. Now I'm seeing it. So there are people who have announced it way before me. We're just, our generation is picking up that trumpet, but we're also picking up the trumpet for it to come into reality on earth as it is in heaven right now. It's getting the legs, it's manifesting. Praise the Lord. It says, arise and shine for your light is come and the glory of the Lord. See, everything in Zechariah chapter three is about the glory realm. Everything in Revelation chapter one through five is all about the glory realm. And I shared to you back in 1992, I got a word from, uh, from um, uh, 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 Pastor Dennis Pisani, who came from Ruth, uh, Ruth Heflin's and Gloria Heflin's ministry in Ashland, Virginia. They were, she, they, these women were forerunners of understanding of the glory. And he prophesied over me. He said, Henry, make the glory of the Lord your main function and purpose. For in that glory, all your needs and the needs of your people will be met. I didn't understand what that meant then. I do now, to a degree, much bigger degree. but we are to live in that realm of his glory. His glory has come to be seen, to fill his temple. Do you remember when they dedicated the temple to the Lord, when Solomon dedicated, what happened? The glory of God came and the priests weren't able to minister to the Lord because they fell on their face. His glory filled the temple. What does Isaiah see in chapter six? He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and I saw his glory, you know, I saw his glory fill his temple and, and his glory fill, filled the train of his temple. We're that train of his temple that, that God is forming into a spiritual house to be filled with that very glory, that Shekinah glory that Adam and Eve were filled with, covered with. They gave them position to take dominion and subdue the earth. Uh, they had authority in the air and they had the authority on the earth. They gave up the authority in the air when they sinned against God and the earth and Satan took it. He stole it. In Revelation chapter one, Jesus takes back what was stolen and he restores it back to you and me. That's the third day work. Now we're being restored to that full positioning of being the human beings we were created to do, which was to, to be blessed and multiplied and take dominion and subdue the earth. That's what we're being restored to, that divine positioning. And it would have to be so, because that's why he died, to restore us back to our relationship fully to what the Lord has made us to be. In the third day, Jesus said, I'm coming to finish that work. I started it in the first two days to get you ready. But the first two days, I could do healings and cures and deliverance. But on the third day, I'm going to do a new and deeper work. I'm going to complete you. And I saved you by a miracle intervention. Every one of us was saved by a miracle intervention. I'm going to complete you by a miracle intervention. I started this work as a miracle, divine, supernatural work in you to start it. And now I'm coming back. I'm coming back again so that you can see me, so that where I am, you shall also be. Remember he said, Jesus said, I'm in my father's house, there are many mansions, a dwelling place, and I'm going away, but then I'm gonna come back. And when I come back, I'm gonna take you so that where I am, you shall also be. That's what Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter one and five is. The Lord had made a place for us, ready for us to come up into now for these last days, to finish us, so that where I am, you shall also be so that we can understand the things of God, what's to here come after, the, 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 so that we can see the things that are going to come hereafter will be part of what God wants to do to releasing the hereafter. We're positioned for the hereafter. We're, we're trained for the hereafter. So now we can walk with him as the army of the Lord, as a wheel within a wheel and be God's instruments to bring that which is hereafter upon the earth. 
including executing the judgments that are written, which it says in Joel chapter two, we become the army of the Lord, ready to execute the word of the Lord, following King Jesus as the Lord, what, utters his voice before his army. You see how it's, see the thread? Are you getting this? Do you see the thread? How God over these last 2000 years has been getting us ready for this day? Many have looked for this day. They've waited to see this day. Many died not seeing this day, but we are living in the day where it's now going to be seen. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shall be seen, risen, shall be seen, risen upon you. Second, uh, Second Thessalonians 1.10, in that day, Jesus will come. And that's exactly where he is now, to be seen glorified in his saints, to be seen glorified. Here it is. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shall be seen risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, the gross darkness of people, but the Lord, look at this, but the Lord shall rise upon you. That's the third day finishing work of glory. That's why we can't stay in the church age of just the presence of God. We need to come from the presence of God into the glory of glory of God. We got to get out of the outer courts, out of the holy place. That's the first two days of the church age. We entered into the courts and the outer courts to be saved. We went into the holy place to minister the gifts of the spirit, light the candles, minister the presence of the Lord. And that's when most people are satisfied. In both of those places, you can keep your life to a degree and still serve the Lord. But once you go behind the veil, you can't bring your life and what you want and your ways behind that veil, because the only thing behind that veil is the glory of God and his ways, his thoughts and his plans. So these two other partitions have to dissolve and get out of the way. As long as the holy place, Hebrews chapter nine says, it stays a recognized institution. It blocks the true way into the holy of holies or the finishing work of the Lord. That's another story. I taught that already in the previous one. But if I would expand, expound Hebrews chapter nine, it would blow your mind. Why this church age and church age structure has to dissolve. But yet I shared it and I've shared it with even pastors, but they can't hear it. Why can't they hear it? Why can't they see it? Why is it so boring? Because our heart is attached to what we do. Our, our heart is attached. We say we love God and we do. But the work has taken an equal place in our heart and in some places exceeded the love for the Lord. And it blocks you from seeing, it blocks you from hearing the kingdom of God's full message as full-grown sons. Or it wants us to be full-grown sons in the church age structure, which will never work. To see what I'm showing you and God's showing us and revealing to you changes everything about your life, about your family, about your job, and about your ministry. And I don't know how many ministers are ready to embrace this change, who are willing to burn the ships and let go of the church as they've known it to be, and allow God to build it, to take it into the kingdom age, because it will look totally different than what we do. Maybe they're afraid the money will dry up and they can't pay for their buildings. I don't know. Maybe they're afraid people will leave because it's not what we normally do. Maybe they're afraid that people won't go on with the Lord unless we teach them. Unless we are your spiritual father, you will never grow in the Lord. I don't know what it is. That doesn't diminish spiritual fathers. I hate them. But they weren't God in my life. They were fathers who helped me find God. But they never took the place of God in my life. And neither should a spiritual father take the place of God in your life. I'm just saying. Just saying.
When does it happen? Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise, arise upon you. The Lord shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and king to the brightness of your rising. I want you to look at three things here. It says, his glory shall be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. When I shared with you in Song of Solomon, that work I just described is right here. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds has come. The voice of the turtle doves is heard in our land and the fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with tender grapes give a good smell. Arise. See, it starts with that again. My love, my fair way, fair one, and come away. Notice this two arising. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Okay, caught up here. And then after he tells about the new day, he said, I want to take you up even higher. Arise, my love, my fair way, fair one, and come away. That same voice of the war trumpet speaks twice to John, speaks twice here in Song of Solomon. And so if we're going to enter into this day, we have to put away all our religious concepts. And our religious functions as we've known them to be. And that's what God asked from us. From We need to put away from 2019 what our life was away. Because in 2020, everything changed. The dawning of the kingdom age, the sun rising, so, so that many more can see it has come. And in that 2020, three words the Lord released. Prepared, positioned, and propelled. 2020, if you heard that knock and let him in, he was preparing you for 2021, which is to position you, which means he's now realigning you, putting you in with new people, putting you in the right place in the Bible and in, in the body. And that's why when people say you need to belong to your local church, okay, it's true. You should not forsake the gathering of the believers. But I wrote a long article. What if your local church is filled with all the sin that's in Revelation chapter two and three? Is the Lord really going to send a harvest into that? Sorry, ain't going to happen. Don't assume just because the local church is a local church that that local church is not in danger of the Lord fighting against it with its mouth or removing the candlestick from it. Or the other things he says. You know, what happens if you don't overcome? I'll throw you over to a bed of affliction. So that, that's why the local church expression of whatever that it's going to be in an area region may not look nothing like we've ever known or seen before. Maybe as we go up to um, Schenectady and all those that would choose to gather there, we become for that moment the local church in that area. Then we're not replacing the other churches, but we become that local gathering of believers who are seeking the face of God for their lives, for that city and for that region. And maybe some stay there. And maybe the local churches there that we call local churches are open to become part of the larger picture of what God calls local and allow that to happen in the area. Who knows? I don't. But I can tell you this, what we have right now and what we see right now is not what's coming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So today it's saying, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Do you know that's exactly what we experienced at the convergences? Those of you that came can say, yes, that's exactly it. 
And each one of us, when we take our own time, have to respond to that individual call of ministering to the Lord's heart, our pure holy love, and we wait for the Lord's response back to us. And every time he speaks, he calls up us higher and higher. That's what we experience as a convergence individually. And then collectively, he takes up higher and higher till he can show us more, reveal more to us, change us more, transform us more. Because these convergences are a place of meeting. They're a tent of meeting with the Lord. And so I shared a lot with you today about the third day, about the functioning, about prophetically all this is, and I hope it's helping you. But if you want to experience it, okay, it, collectively, then I encourage you, come to New York, May 2nd, May 2nd through the 7th to Schenectady. And join other believers from around the country just to come and seek the face of God to experience this third day truth revealed in us and living reality. And watch the change it brings to your life as he removes those filthy garments of the church age of, uh, and, and the world's uh, mixture of flesh and spirit. And he clothes you with a new rich robe of apparel, weapons, armor, a new turban upon your head. How it's revolutionary and transform your life. Now, if you, if, you, if you come tonight at 7 p.m. and come to Facebook, people who have experienced what I shared with you are going to be online with me tonight to share how, how this is real and how it transformed their lives. And we're going to be talking about what the Lord desires to do in Schenectady. So that's tonight. Maybe Lynn or somebody could write that down tonight, 7 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Okay, It's called Preparing for the Divine Convergence. So look for it tonight at seven o'clock, all right? So please watch with us. And if you want to experience it, it's worth taking time off from work. It's worth whatever money that you have to spend to experience the third day reality, the kingdom reality with corporate believers that are coming for only one agenda, the Lord. And that out of that seeking the Lord, he unfolds his plans and purposes in us, through us, unites us together in the love of the Lord like I have never seen before. So we become a functioning army, which is what this broadcast is about. We become a rising Joel's army, a rising sons of God, you know, because now it's reality in us. So we invite you to come. So let's pray. And while I do that, you know, maybe Lynn, if you're on or somebody, if you could write down our website and all that information that we put at the end of the broadcast from PayPal, if somebody could write that on there, that would be great, all that information. Father, we thank you today for your third day work, Jesus. We thank you for all you did in our lives in the first two days. It is not diminished. Every work, every breaking, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the refining fire, the fuller soap, salvation, all through the trials where you delivered us. It was necessary, Lord, to bring us to this day. But Lord, we've come as far as we can in the holy place and we in, 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 in through the courts and you're beckoning us to arise, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. You're calling us behind the veil into that glory realm and to stay there and live with you in the secret place of the Most High God. I pray, Father, such a quickening, such a strengthening, such an enabling to everyone that's watching this broadcast, that this word, this message would burn within us, transform us, and open our eyes to see the kingdom of God, open our ears to hear the kingdom of God, to open up our hearts to understand 
the, the kingdom of God. And you said the kingdom of God is within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. May the risen Christ be seen in us. May you manifest your light in us and through us. And Lord, as you manifest that you would destroy every work of the devil that's still remaining in us. And you refine us like gold and silver that we may as priests bring to you offerings of righteousness or give you what you want. We thank you for your work right now. We thank you for your third day finishing work. We open up our hearts and we say yes to it, Lord. And we will repent and we will change and we will overcome by your grace. And we'll be enthusiastic about repenting God. We want you to show us everything that we need to forsake, renounce, break fellowship with and confess to you, Lord. And as we bring what you show us into the light of your burning feet, we trust your refining fire to come and purify us and remove the dross from our hearts so that we can come up your mountain with clean hands and a pure heart. So we thank you, Lord. I pray such a release, mm, such a strengthening. I pray such an impartation. Just receive that from the Lord. Just receive the strengthening. I believe he's presencing right now in your room. He's imparting to you, strengthening you. I just see the spirit of God lifting you, lifting your spirit, watering these seeds, fertilizing these seeds of the kingdom in you that he's deposited. And I see it germinating. And I see exactly those, those the flowers are beginning to, to bloom. The song of the, of the, the singing of the birds will be manifested in your life. And you'll become a prophetic trumpet as the voice of the turtle dove is spoken through you. Lord, I thank you for doing that in my brothers and sisters and in their families. And let it spread, Father, so that your glory shall fill all the earth. Now to you, who can do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I pray this was a blessing to you. Reverend Lynn put up all the information, I think, on there. And I hope she put the divine convergence on there, too. Okay. I hope she did. The link of that is um, if you go to our website at www.flameoffire2007.org slash events dash two, you can go right to the page. The hotel is filling up and room at the, uh, the Doubletree conference is filling up quickly. So if you would like to come to this convergence, please go online and register. It's by invitation only. Pray about it. You may want to be there. I'm telling you, it will be one of the greatest blessings of your life. Not because of it, you know, because of, 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 of like we do with a conference and all the hype. No, we're going to meet the Lord in a very special time, a set apart time for the Lord. And we'll be changed from glory to glory. So I hope you can come. If we can serve you in any way. You know, pray for you. Please feel free. My my email's up on the, on the chat line. Send me your emails. And Lynn, Reverend Lynn, Don and I, our prayer team, will pray for you, stand with you, and if we can serve you in any way. And today, for those of you that may be watching this for the first time, people ask me, Brother Henry, how can we, how can we bless you financially? Well, we have a PayPal account. And if God touches your heart, and that's between you and the Lord, these broadcasts are free. Everything on our website's free. It doesn't mean that doesn't devalue it. It just means we're trusting God to touch you or touch whoever. If he wants you to bless us financially, you'll hear it. If he wants you to pray for us, you'll hear it. If he wants you to encourage us, you'll hear it just as we would hear it for you. 
So we're only asking the Lord for those that he's touching to hear, you know, and to bring into our lives. And that's how we live as missionaries. And that's how we function. And we're dependent upon the Lord and dependent upon God speaking to his people. And he's never failed us. And he won't fail us now. So thanks to all of you that have been praying for us, encouraging us, and you have released those financial blessings. I thank you, Don and I, we pray over them. Our ministry prays over them because we know when you're giving your finances, that's your life. When you're giving prayers, that's your life. Those are not little things. And people sometimes apologize. I, I, I you know, Brother Henry, I'm sorry I can only send you $10. You didn't, first of all, you gave it to God and please don't ever diminish whatever he told you to give. So look at how valuable the widow's two mites were because it was all she had. There's no big offerings and little offerings if you gave them out of obedience and love for the Lord. Then they're just an offering that pleases the Lord. Amen. And so we're praying, you know, and God, you know, God knows what Don and I need to live for our family and then to do these convergences. It costs money. But as God touches people's lives and he knits us together, he shows us these things, just like he'll show me maybe how to help you. We just have to be a place of listening and with a willing heart to obey him. He said, Henry, giving is for living and living is for giving. One of the things I noticed that as we get more and more kingdom reality, giving becomes even a deeper joy because you're surrendering what you have, what God has given you back to the Lord. You're letting him do what he wants with what he gave you. And there's such a joy in that, such a freedom, so that knowing that if I do all of these things as God asked me, he promises and all these things shall be added onto me. So thanks to all of you who have blessed us, encouraged us, and those financial blessings. And we prayed over you. And if God touches you today to do that, you know, if you desire if, to become part of Team Converge, okay, that is not a ministry. It's just a gathering of believers working together to do what I'm sharing with you. Go to our website, look on the Team Converge page. If you're a FIFO minister, go to that page and then go over to the uh, um, uh, Team Converge FIFO connection because he's bringing connections together. This is all about God bringing us together to function together. And in Team Converge, we have two groups of people, a deployment team that goes to the places and an operations team of people who want to pray, be part of our prayer team that prays for these convergences, that prays for all of us. And they supply things to help get us like sometimes they take care of the meeting room expense or we, we get new flags and banners for each convergence. They help take care of that cost. So there are ways that you can be part of that team. This is not part of a ministry like you would think of, OK, I have to join. This is we become a living, breathing body of believers. And the Lord just said, call it team converge because it's a team and you're converging with me and one another. Check out our website. All of that's on there. Amen. And you come and go and do as God leads you. And that means if you're in a local church, you don't have to leave your church. If you're in another ministry, keep doing those things. We're just connecting, working together, helping each other, laboring together. And you'll see all of that on the website. All right. Well, that's it for today. I look forward to tomorrow, our last day, when we're going to get a little bit deeper into the Song of Solomon, Chapter 2. I hope this was a strength and a blessing to you. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same station. Love all of you. Bye-bye.